Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, we thank you for your holy Shabbat. We thank you for this time that you've given us to gather together as Mishpacha, to be able to enter into your presence and to encounter you in a powerful and mighty way. Father, I pray that as we open up your word today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it will be your word spoken, your heart received, that nothing in me will be involved except that which you've ordained specifically for this purpose. And Father, I pray that you will use this message to transform our hearts as we walk faithfully and fervently in your ways. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. So this week we're in Parsha A from uh, Deuteronomy 11.26 through uh, chapter 16.17. If you're paying attention, we are rapidly moving through uh, uh, Devarim, through Deuteronomy, and uh, just a few weeks out, uh, it feels like we will be rolling the Torah scroll back to uh, Bereshit, back to the beginning, and, and beginning this cycle of the Torah reading all over again. Uh, if you are following along with the Hebrew calendar, and I hope that you are on a regular basis, uh, you should still have those ones that we had available last year, uh, and we, we need to get working on the ones for this year so that we can have those available for you for Rosh Hashanah. But it's a side note. Uh, Kendall, remind me about that. Sweet. Um, and, <laughs> and aside from that, though, the, uh, the, the, the reality is this time frame that we're in uh, at this very moment is this period of time called the uh, seven weeks of consolation uh, between Tisha B'Av or the ninth of Av and the, the Shabbat right before Rosh Hashanah uh, in just a few weeks. And this period of time is this really interesting kind of uh, time frame in Jewish history because Tisha B'Av we know is when both temples were destroyed uh, and, and yes I said both temples on the ninth of Av one single day in the Hebrew calendar both temples were coincidentally destroyed on the exact same day uh, years and years centuries apart but nonetheless both were destroyed on the same exact day uh, beyond that we know it's the same day that the uh, Ten spies came back with an evil report of the promised land. It is the same day that uh, the Spanish Inquisition was invoked. It is the same day that Jews were uh, evicted from England, not once but twice over the course of our history in Europe. Uh, and countless other atrocities against the Jewish people have occurred over and over and over again on this, this particular day. And um, in, in Judaism, in the world that we live in today, uh, this didn't make sense 20 years ago, but now it does. We now call it uh, the Jewish 9-11 because so many things have occurred, so much has gone on, so many Jewish lives have, uh, have, have been lost on this specific day. But beyond that, what we have during this period of time in preparation for the 10 days of awe from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, this period of time where we're focused on repentance, deeply focused on repentance, as we have this period of time where we're reading from uh, basically Isaiah 40 through Isaiah 60, uh, and we're reading what are called the seven messages of consolation, the seven message of Isaiah, in which the prophet Isaiah is telling Israel, look, and if you read Isaiah as a whole, there's a lot of really horrible things that Isaiah says 
is going to happen to the nation of Israel because of our sins. But he says from Isaiah 40 through 60, he says over and over and over again, but don't worry, God is going to bring you back. But don't worry if you simply repent of Yimiteshuvah, if you repent and return to Adonai, he will forget all of this and he will just cleave to you. Uh, and he, he's, there's this continual promise in these 20 chapters, give or take, of this uh, overwhelming desire of the Lord to draw his people back into himself, to draw us in uh, to his faithfulness, to draw us in his restoration. And as believers in Messiah, we see this beauty and this image and this idea of restoration that isn't just all of a sudden popping up on the scene in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, but it's something that we read about over and over and over again throughout the Tanakh. It is a message that is presented throughout the Torah over and over again. Uh, and so here we see this idea of restoration. As a matter of fact, Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, is not only the day that all of these, uh, these horrible atrocities have occurred to the Jewish people, but it's also the exact same day that Yeshua began what I believe to be his first actual work of ministry. And it was when he began this process of restoration for the nation of Israel. Because on, the Tisha, on Tisha B'Av, on the ninth of Av, it's the very same day that Yeshua went into the Jordan River with Yochanan HaMadbil, with John the Immerser, and was immersed beginning his ministry. This is when the Ruach falls upon him, and he goes out then immediately into the wilderness, and he spends 40 days in the wilderness so we read about the spies. They go into the promised land. They spend 40 days in the promised land. They come back from the promised land. They bring an evil report on Tishbab and the ninth of Av to Israel. And Israel spends one year for every day that the spies spend in the promised land. So 40 years they spend in the wilderness before they're able to broach the Jordan River again and enter into the promises of God. So Yeshua begins his ministry, which is ultimately the facilitation of the reality of the promises of restoration seen throughout the Tanakh and specifically seen during these seven messages of consolation in Isaiah. We see this image of restoration as Yeshua goes into the same exact waters that the spies came across with an evil report. He goes into the waters and immerse the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He goes into the wilderness and spends 40 days in the wilderness one day for every year that the nation of Israel wasted in the wilderness, which was one day for every day that the spies wasted in the promised land. And then he's tempted by the enemy. And if we read the, the things that the enemy throws at Yeshua in the wilderness, their scripture, first and foremost, that he's, he's saying to Yeshua, he's taken out of context, he's contorting, he's making to say what he wants, but it's scripture that he's, that he's trying to tempt Yeshua with, and Yeshua rebuts with scripture in an even greater context. And we see in the Gospels this idea that Yeshua speaks with this authority, this divine authority beyond anything that the rabbis could ever imagine. And so Yeshua is responding to the enemy's temptation, and we see that Yeshua overcomes this temptation and comes back across the Jordan into the promised land and begins the ministry of preaching restoration and redemption for the nation of Israel, begins this ministry of preaching this promise of salvation that is uh, coming because of his offering his life as a sacrifice for the people of Israel and the world as a whole for all of his creation. As Paul then later says in Romans to the Jew first, and also or in the same way or likewise to the nations. And so it's really interesting that we're, we're in this period of time that we're focusing on this idea as we're preparing for repentance and, and restoration on the 10 days of awe of Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. And then we read this Parsha in particular, Parsha A. So if you have your scriptures, go ahead and open up to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. This is the very beginning of the Parsha. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 says, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the mitzvot of Adonai, your God, that I'm commanding you today, 
But the curse, if you do not listen to the mitzvot of Adonai your God, but turn from the way that I'm commanding you to today to go uh, uh, after other gods you have not known. Now when Adonai your God brings you into the land you are going in to possess, you are to set the blessing uh, on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Zabal. And as we move later on into Deuteronomy, into the blessings and curses of Deuteronomy 27 to 30, we see this described a little better as half the tribes stand on Mount Gerizim and half the tribes stand on Mount Zabal. And the tribes on Mount Gerizim proclaim the blessings and the tribes on Mount Ebal uh, proclaim the curses. Uh, and this stands as two witnesses Remember, there must be a witness of two or more that stands as two witnesses to the nation of Israel uh, from then on as a reminder of God's covenant and promises with the nation of Israel. And notice there's this uh, reiteration of covenant upon mountains over and over and over again. Uh, and today, so much so that when we stand on uh, what is Mount Gerabim, uh, Ger Mount Gerabim in, uh, in Israel, uh, Mount Gerizim, sorry, in Israel, it's not called Mount Gerizim, uh, although, it, I mean, it is. But it's colloquially called Harbarachar, the mountain of blessings. Uh, so we see that they go in and they stand on the two mountains and one uh, side proclaims a blessing, the other side proclaims the curses. Verse 30, and they are not, uh, not across, and they, uh, one day I learned to read, are they not across the Jordan toward the west in the land of the Canaanites who dwell in the Arabah opposite Gilgal beside the Oaks of Moray? For you are about to cross over the Jordan to go in to possess the land. I don't know your God is giving you. You will possess it and dwell in it, and you will take care to do all the statutes and ordinances that I am setting before you today. So we kickstart this partial off of this idea that the Lord is putting a choice before us. Right? He says, see, re a, see, open your eyes and see. I am setting before you today blessing and curse. The blessing is if you listen, and the, the Hebrew here is, is Shema, if you listen with an intention to respond, if you listen to the mitzvot of Adonai your God that I am commanding you today, but the curse, if you do not listen, and again, the Hebrew word is Shema, the idea of listening with an intent to respond, to act upon, to the mitzvot of Adonai your God, but turn from the way I am commanding you, and that word the way in Hebrew is Haderach, the way that I am commanding you today, to go after other gods you have not known. And we realize that as Israel goes into the promised land, it's really not that long before they do this exact reality and they turn after the gods of the land around them. But what the Lord is saying here, and this is kind of a preamble, if you would, to the blessings and curses that we read later in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 27 through 30, is the Lord saying, I am placing before you today a choice. And the choice is yours, right? God created Adam and Eve and he gave them free will. He didn't create Adam and Eve to be robots, to robotically and, 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 and method, 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 yeah, one day I'll get the word, not meth, methodologically, there we go, methodologically follow out uh, what God wants them to do in a robotic sense with, uh, you know, the, this, this computer formatting that they just have to do A, B, C, and D. But instead, God created them and then allowed them the choice of walking in relationship with him or walking outside of relationship with him. And you and I today and every single human being who has ever breathed the breath of life since Adam and Eve were created have had the exact same choice to walk in the Lord's ways and in relationship with him or to walk outside of. And so here as the nation of Israel, again, this is the second generation who is preparing to cross the Jordan to take the promises of God that their forefathers, the first generation, refused to take. They are standing at the Jordan, and Moses is reminding them again, pay attention, open your eyes, and see that the Lord is setting before you now a choice. When you cross this river, 
right? We, we, we use the term Hebrew, right? Which comes from the Hebrew word aver, which means to cross over. And so when we cross over the Jordan River and you go into the promises of the Lord, you will have a choice. The choice is you can walk in the Lord's ways. You can cleave to his commandments. You can cleave to a life of righteousness as laid out by Hashem. Or you can cross the Jordan and you can chase after the things of the land around you and do exactly what they have done that has caused the Lord to remove them from the promised land as it is. And so he says, if you choose, if you take an intentional act to listen to his, to Shema, to his mitzvot, to his commandments, then you will receive the blessing, and if not, you'll receive the curse. As a matter of fact, if we go forward to uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, the same thing is reiterated again, but it's reiterated in a little more forceful of a nature, if you would, in language. He says, see, I've set before you today life and good and death and evil. While I am commanding you today, uh, what I am commanding you today is to love Adonai your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep the mitzvot, statutes and ordinances. Then you will live and multiply, and Adonai your God will bless you in the land you are going to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen, but are drawn away and bow down to other gods and worship them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish. You will not prolong your days on the land and where you are about to cross over the Jordan to go in and possess it. Verse 19, I call on the heavens and the earth to witness about you today that I have set before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. Therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live by loving Adonai your God, listening to his voice and clinging to him. For he is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell on the land that Adonai swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So the Lord sets before Israel a choice. Long before they ever cross the Jordan River, he sets before them a choice. When you go in and you inherit my promises, my blessing, you have a choice to walk in covenant with me and hang on to it, or to walk contrary to covenant with me and lose it. You have a choice to walk in faithfulness and blessing and in life. Or you have a choice to walk contrary to that and walk in curse and death. And if you pay attention to the blessings and curses later on in Deuteronomy, what you see is, is that the blessings and the curses are just mirror images of each other. The blessing, God says, I will provide for you. And the curse says, I will not provide for you. The blessing says, you will have plenty of children. The curse says, you will be barren. The blessing says that your uh, livestock will produce, and the curses say your livestock will not produce. It's not some huge thing. It's not like God's going around and saying, I'm going to smite you with boils and all of this kind of... He says, I'm going to remove my blessing from upon you. But what's interesting when we look at Israel, as we've talked about before, is that God's blessing was never truly removed from them. They just couldn't see what God was doing for them because they chose to separate themselves from the reality of his presence. We go to Isaiah 55. This is in the heart of our Haftarah Parsha from the seven messages of consolation, our Haftarah Parsha for this week. Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, uh, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money. And without cost, why do you spend money for what is not bread, your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that your soul may live. 
I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the trustworthy loyalty to David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will summon a nation you do not know, and a nation that did not know you will run to you because of Adonai, your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Again, in order to run to him if you're thirsty to drink of the water, to run to him to get the bread of life, we have to make a choice to do so. And he says, in Israel, and again, Isaiah, this passage is speaking to Israel, and what he's saying is, in you turning to me, and Israel turning to Adonai, and faithfully walking in the covenants that our forefathers rejected time and time again, faithfully walking in repentance and teshuvah, choosing to live in his ways, that the nations around us will see that God is in our midst, that they will see the God of all creation dwells among his people and they will want what we have it says in verse 5 behold you will summon a nation you do not know and a nation that did not know you will run to you do the same things we read about in other places in the prophets is this idea that the nations will come running to israel the prophets tell us that when Messiah, uh, leading up to Messiah's return and, and post that, that uh, there will be the nations that will run up because of the new covenant that's upon us. The nation will run up and say, I know that God is with you. I want to go with you. Take me. Take me with you. But it requires us choosing to walk in his ways, choosing to be faithful to him, choosing to live in relationship with him, choosing to receive the mercy and restoration and renewal that is available when we walk in covenant with him. And this isn't a choice that we make once and that's it, but this is a choice we have to make every single day when we wake up. As soon as we climb out of bed, most of us, by the time we climb out of bed, have had at least one ridiculous thought. Or if you're like me, quite a few, and are rapidly having to repent. But as soon as we climb out of bed, we've already, in some way or another, created a barrier between us and God. So every morning when we wake up, immediately we have to return to Him. Every day we have to repent. We have to make a choice to walk in restoration. That doesn't mean that because as believers we don't repent one day that God removes that restoration from us. But that does mean that every day that we are not walking in repentance and true teshuvah, that's another day that he's drawing us, that he's yanking on that cable, that he's calling out to us. Why have, you, why have you hardened your heart against me? Come back to me so that you can receive my love, so that you can see my restoration, so that the nations will see me in you. We go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Ruach, by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Ruach, but the Ruach sets its desire against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you cannot do what you want. But if you are led by the Ruach, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you just as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Which, by the way, every single one of those issues are already discussed in the Torah. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Ruach is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the hardest one of all, self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. In other words, the Torah already covers these two. Now those who belong to Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Ruach, let us also walk by the Ruach. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It's a choice. We can choose to walk in the Ruach, or we can choose to walk outside of the Ruach, contrary to the Ruach. But it's a choice. And it's a choice that we have to make daily, it's not a give me. It's not something that's just naturally going to happen on its own unless we are wholly submitted and devoted to the presence of God, to His Ruach in such a mighty and powerful way. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that to whatever you yield yourselves, whatever you choose to walk under, as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to what you obey, whether to sin resulting in death, Order obedience resulting in righteousness. Again, Paul is reiterating what Moses already speaks of in the blessings and curses. Before you today, I set a choice. Life or death. Choose life. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching which you were placed and after you were set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son for that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The one who believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe has been condemned already because he has not put his trust in the name of the one and only Ben Elohim, Son of God choice salvation is a choice walking in salvation is a choice salvation brings with it a desire to live in righteousness walking in the haderach in the way of Adonai we go to Matthew Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Yeshua speaks and says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And those who enter through it are many. How narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And those who find it are few. We look at the nation of Israel. Six million, uh, sorry, 605,000 Men of fighting age leave the nation of Egypt, stand at Mount Sinai, and hear not to mention the women and children and elderly that were with them. Stood at the base of Mount Sinai, they hear the voice of Adonai speak forth. The Aseret Hadibrot, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, they hear the voice of the Lord. They see His presence on the mountain. And then we're terrified at the reality of God's presence in our midst. And so then the nation says, Moses, you go and you get his word because anything, any, any, any more of us hearing his voice and we will die. Moses goes up on the mountain. He's gone for 40 days. And in the period of that 40 days, the nation of Israel already chose to turn their back on the Lord. 
the same people that stood and witnessed the presence of God, the Shekhinah's divine glory on the face of the mountain, and heard his audible voice speak forth, the Aserat Hadibro had already turned their back on his ways. And not just turned his back on their ways, on his ways, but if you pay attention to the text in Exodus, they had built an idol and began to worship an idol. The very same thing that this Parsha specifically says not to do. Yeshua says the, the gate, the, 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 the path, the way to destruction is wide. And it's easy to find our way down. But the choice to walk on the path of righteousness is narrow and difficult. And few will find it. It comes down to choice. What is your choice? Is your choice to walk in the blessings of Adonai? Is your choice to walk in faithfulness to what the Lord has done for you? Or is your choice to respond with arrogance and to turn your back on the ways of the Lord? Is your choice to walk in blessing and experience abundant life? Because the reality is Yeshua poured out his blood to provide salvation that you and I and all who may listen can experience eternal and abundant life. It's a reiteration of what we read in Parsha Re'eh, of what we read in the blessings and curses. I set before you today a choice, life or death, blessing or curse. The choice is yours. God's already made the choice he chose to create us, to love us, in spite of what he knew we were going to do. He chose to put a plan of redemption and salvation in place, offering his only begotten son that we could have eternal life long before he ever spoke creation into existence, in spite of the fact that he knew you and I were going to give him the big middle finger and walk away from him. But he gave us all of this anyways. He's already made the choice to love you, to cherish you, to draw you into his embrace. And no matter how far away from him you walk, he's standing right behind you with his arms wide open, waiting for you, as Lynn talked about earlier, to turn back around as that prodigal son returning back to his loving embrace. But you know, that prodigal son, it took things getting really messed up and gnarly for, before he finally made a choice to return back to blessing and life. And when he returned back, his father threw a party that could have never been imagined, all because his father wanted nothing more than to wrap his arms around his son again. And our Heavenly Father stands there as that father waiting for his creation, not just you and I, not just the Jewish people, not just the nations, but all of his creation to simply turn around and teshuvah to return back to him in wholehearted, humble repentance and to receive his embrace. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore fear Adonai and worship him in sincerity and in truth. Get rid of the gods that your fathers had worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and worship Adonai. If it seems bad to you to worship Adonai, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods that your fathers worshipped that were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will worship Adonai. 
Joshua is setting up a roadmap of what that choice of righteousness looks like. The Lord's already laid it out before us. There isn't just the Torah. It's not just Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy that we can refer to. It's not just the, the Nevi'im, the prophets that we have to refer to. It's not just the Ketuvim, the writings that we have to refer to. It's not just the Gospels. It's not just the Book of Acts. It's not just the Epistles and the other writings of the Brachadashah. It is the totality of Genesis to Revelation that has been given to us as a soul cry from Adonai, yearning for His creation to return back to Him, yearning for us to make that choice that He has longed for us to make since He breathed the breath of life on Adam and Chava and Adam and Eve. For us to simply walk in faithfulness in his blessing and in his eternal life so that the entire world around us will see the divine presence of God in our lives and make the same choice. Our lives day in and day out at the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh walking in the gifts of the Ruach should constantly cry out a message and it shouldn't be our mouths it should be the presence of God that they see cry out a message of blessing and curse a message of choice between life and death so that anyone that we come into contact with will see God's heart and his desire for them to turn back to him and to choose life so that all may proclaim as Joshua does but as for me and my house we will worship Adonai. Last but not least, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, and this is in closing. Then he called the crowd along with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and keep following me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the good news will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? For what could a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this unfaithful and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You want to talk about a choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. He spelled it out before us. We must choose in spite of everything that anybody might think or say or react. We must choose to pick up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to walk faithfully in relationship with Him. Because as He says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. There will be, unfortunately, a lot of people who will stand at the throne of God awaiting judgment, expecting to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And instead they will hear, get away from me, you workers of iniquity, for I have never known you. And they'll cry out, but we did this and this and this and this in your name. And the Lord says, but you never walked with me. But you never lived in relationship with me. You never chose life and blessing. We must choose life. 
out of everything that the Lord has done for us, including and not limited to giving His only begotten Son that we could be restored to Him in spite of our own idiocy. We must choose life. The overarching message of the Word of God is a message of choice. We have a choice to receive or a choice to reject. We have a choice to walk in life and in love and in His mercy, or we have a choice to reject it. But the choice is ours. He created us having already made the choice to want relationship with us. The choice is ours. And that choice isn't just something that weighs simply upon our own lives, but the choice that we make will impact others for generations upon generations to come. Our children will watch our lives and they will be able to read whether or not we made a choice of blessing in life or a choice of curse and death. Our children's children will be able to read our children's life and know the choices that we made. Our coworkers, our uh, classmates, our friends, the people we encounter in the grocery store and at the gas station, the people that we flip off and road rage on the interstate because they're driving too slow in the fast lane, whatever it may be, they will see whether we live the choice of blessing or curse, the choice of life or death. And every action Every word that we speak, every thought that we have has eternal consequence, maybe not on our lives because we choose to walk in faithfulness with Messiah because we choose to accept His salvation. But every choice, every thought, every word, every action of ours, of our choice can and will impact somebody else's life, either for blessing or for curse. As a matter of fact, I didn't intend to mention this, but I will. As a matter of fact, uh, in this discussion of uh, this week's Parsha, there we go, found it. In the discussion of this week's Parsha, the word re'e, at the very beginning, see, is a singular word, whereas lifnachim, you, is plural. And this is a, uh, an image to us that each person is, personally, is to personally see the blessing and the curse will affect the entire community of Israel. This value is called uh, aravut, or mutual responsibility, and the idea of caring for the welfare of one's fellow Jew is expressed in the phrase, kol Yisrael aravim zebazay, all Israel is responsible for one another. As we read in Leviticus 19.17, you are not to hate your brother in your heart, instead you are to firmly rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. Our choices not only affect our life, but they affect everyone we come into contact with life. So the question I pose to you today is do you choose life or death, blessing or curse? Because the choice is yours. The Lord wants nothing more than to pour out His blessing and His life upon you, to allow you to experience the fullness and the richness of His glory. But the choice is yours. And it's a choice that has eternal consequence, not just for us, but for every person we come into contact with. And I pray that each of us makes the right choice before it is too late so that we can be used by God to impact the world around us for His blessing, for His good, 
and for the glory of his name and kingdom. Amen. Abarachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a uh, loving and merciful God, that you are a God who desires nothing more than relationship with your creation, that you are a God who yearns for us to turn into your loving embrace. And Father, I pray that as we continue to read through your, your word, as we continue to dig into your word, that you will continue to reveal your character, your nature, your glory, your love, and your mercy to each and every one of us, that you will pour out your heart in a new, mighty, and powerful way that we can be used by you to impact the world around us for the good of your kingdom and your holy name. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen.